You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup B, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to the week three preview of the CFL season with Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty on the Two and Out CFL podcast. I'm rocking the uh, Tribal Chief shirt today. It's funny. Ty asked me, "Do you have anything in your closet other than CFL and wrestling shirts?" And I've I do have a Martin Broder jersey. I do have Metallica shirts. That's about it. <laughs> no Megadeth. I did. That I might have worn that one out though. I think I bought that shirt in the twelfth grade or something like that. <laughs> Many moons ago. Man, I the rule is like if the lettering is all beat up, it's still good. But as soon as I start to get the armpit holes, then the then the shirt. Oh, goes. that that's your line. That's my line. Yeah. If my you line can... is my line is if I look like Philadelphia Collins, <laughs> but you're looking at my gut for. Then it... <laughs> I give it. I give it another couple months to see if I can lose some weight, and then it just inevitably gets thrown into a bag and, and then that couple months becomes a couple years, and then, and then I have surgery. And... <laughs> you got to show off that Tim Tebow jersey, though. Oh, it's, it is legit. The Florida Gators. Wow. <laughs> they won the uh, semifinal today. They're off to the College World Series on the weekend, so. We're up the boys. If that's not worth uh, going on YouTube and uh, checking out two and out on there for, I, I don't know what is worth going on. Uh, it's a little tight. It's a little tight. And, <laughs> and and then we could watch the progression of the mustache growing back in. Mm-hmm. This is, I guess, when did I shave? It was, I think, exactly a week ago. I yeah, think. I think so. So, here we are. You're doing pretty good. Putting the chicken manure under the lip so it helps it grow a little bit. and <laughs> Making chicken salad out of. <laughs> uh, week three starts in Winnipeg. The 2-0 Bombers taking on the 2-0 Lions where the Bombers are six-point favorites. The over-under at 49. I think I would, if I'm a betting man, and Ty is a betting man, I think the over feels like a pretty safe one. Yeah. Um, which means it'll Winnipeg, be a seven which means four game. Yeah, which means it'll be terrible. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg's defense is really good, but at forty nine points, when you expect Winnipeg to put up thirty to thirty five, you know, to give up fifteen to twenty points, it's kind of right around where you expect Winnipeg to be. Because if they give that up, I mean, they're winning that football game ninety percent of the time. So I, I just I don't see it staying under. Both these offenses are pretty powerful. Winnipeg's defense is what will, like, they'll make a couple stops to not let BC win the football game, I think. But I think we're looking at 60, 65 points. And I don't think we've seen the best of the Lions offense just quite yet. They they can be better. Uh, they will have better games this season. Is this the game that it will happen? We will see. The back end in Winnipeg, they've got some injuries going into this week. Uh, 
even on the defensive line, Jackson Jeffcoat not going to be playing. Demario Houston not playing. Uh, he's he's out for personal reasons. Ab- Abu Darame Saray is going to make his debut at Boundary Corner in place of Demario Houston. That is an important part mm-hmm. of the defense. And he's, he's made- had a hot start. He's made yeah, so he many plays. He has. Uh, so we got a guy making his CFL debut. Hey, he's on the roster in Winnipeg for a reason. Still got a pick on him. Yeah. If you're Vernon Adams. Yeah, and the Lions might be picking on him early. Dom Rimes won't be available for them, but Lucky Whitehead is against his former team. They might be looking Lucky's way early and often, Ty. The only issue is that not a huge sample size against Winnipeg. He's only got 1.2 points, and I think that was a game he got hurt in. Okay. Uh, But overall, throughout his career, it's been 12.6 points per game. Fantasy wise, isn't this way better now that I have stats? It is way better. This is this is so much better. Um, and you know him being the de facto number one this week with no Dom Rhymes, I think you're gonna he's gonna get a lot of targets. Yeah, and last week Eberhart making his debut on the Lions roster. He was playing wide receiver. They've moved him to slot back now. Hopefully he doesn't drop another t- for sure touchdown pass. Yeah, yeah. I think he's an intriguing pick. I actually had my mouse circled over Justin McKinnis. Uh, he might be an intriguing option in the Lions offense. But I'm going to roll with uh, Alexander Hollins again. Uh, he's basically on the cusp of double-digit points in both of the first two games this mm-hmm. year. It just looks like it might just be another shootout in the air, and the Lions are going to have to have success uh, getting all those receivers involved. Well, I think you look at Lucky Whitehead coming back, and yeah, you lose Dom Rimes, but uh, that's gonna, you still have that number one guy there that is going to attract a lot of attention. So it could open up for Eberhart and Hollins and McKinnis. They're not going to have, uh, you know, the the number one matchups. It's kind of like, you know, a, a third line player putting up numbers. Like, well, you know, you're playing against the worst pairing defense usually. But um, that being said, Winnipeg's secondary, yeah, with Houston out, it's a little little banged up. But I mean, the, the, how quick that that front seven can get to the quarterback will probably make up for those deficiencies in the secondary. But yeah, like he's, I think it's going to be a shootout, uh, but Winnipeg's defense will make those stops. And I think it's still like, you know, a 10 point game. I don't think it's going to be, you know, trading touchdowns back and forth and it's last possession wins. I guess just saying that uh, Saskatchewan had success through the air against Winnipeg. 409 yards worth. Yeah, so I think that BC is able to do something Mm -hmm. like that here. And I'm, I don't have them. But but Winnipeg did come and make those stops in the fourth quarter. They did. So that Saskatchewan, it, it was a shootout, but it wasn't. Now, when I when I choose a running back this year, I just want to be sure about the usage. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the toughest thing. I, I want to know why Andrew Harris is like over nine thousand dollars when he gets four carries. Yeah, so far this year, Taquan Mizell, he's a newcomer to the starting lineup for the Lions, has double uh, digit fantasy points uh, both weeks, double digit carries. 
both weeks, 93 yards in week one, 116 yards in week two. He had three Mm -hmm. catches in week one, four catches in week two. It just seems like they're going to continue using this guy in the BC offense. And if you can fit him in, he seems like an all right option, even though against that tough Winnipeg front. Well, with no Jackson Jeffcoat, that opens up a little bit of room for the running game. And having Mizell back there doing what he's doing has opened up more offensive opportunities for Burnham's Jr., whether it's him being able to scramble, the play action, because teams have to be able, they have to respect the run when you are that good at rushing the football this early in the season. It's not like Hamilton years ago where it's like nobody cares. Or the last couple of years, I should say, where nobody cared. You could sell out on pass. <clears throat> so, I, I don't think usage will be the problem. I think it'll just be production because of how staunt that defense can be. Uh, speaking of that Winnipeg defense, Adam Big Hill is seven tackles away from a milestone as he continues to move up the all-time tackles leader list in the CFL. He is uh, seven tackles away from matching Solomon Elamimian, his old teammate in BC, they formed Team 100 once upon a time. What a great linebacking duo. Mm-hmm. So Adam Big Hill could move up the list playing his old BC Lions team as well. That would be pretty cool to see him. We are watching greatness on the field, I think, every time we watch Adam Big Hill play. Yeah, it's it, it's almost like a cheat code. Yeah. Especially right? like, when the short yardage plays and he comes over, he, he's a beast. The timing, the physicality, yeah. everything just works. Uh, he's rarely he rarely gets burned by anything, um, you know, and that's experience and that's learning the tricks of the trade. And he he knows he's played against uh, Kalaros a bunch, Trevor Harris a bunch, Cody Fajardo enough, Jake Mayer enough, well a little bit, Bo Levi Mitchell. Like you need to you need to be able to switch up cadences and stuff because these guys, you know, the longer they're in the league, the the more. Uh, patterns they they start to notice and they're able to time stuff up and adam big hill's a prime example of that we talk about running back usage and early on this season the winnipeg blue bombers have been uh, they've been using brady Oliveira. he had over 24 fantasy points against hamilton in week one 22 carries wow but week two against saskatchewan he does have 10 carries the one catch but gets injured and they're calling him a game-time decision for this week. Um, it, it's a thorax injury. I, I f- kind of feel like, like he's... Like Danny DeVito? <laughs> and, and the fact that he hasn't practiced, I, I think it means we're probably not going to see him, and we could be seeing a whole lot of Johnny Augustine, who is a value play on CFL Fantasy. He's uh, 5K on there, which is awesome. He ended up getting six carries against Saskatchewan last week, 31 yards. If he's going to get five yards a carry. He's a really good receiver coming out of that backfield as well. Yes, and if he's going to get five yards a carry, I'm uh, going to be happy to have that in my lineup, Ty. Pushing my chips almost all the way in. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know what? If I look at – this is actually pretty interesting – the BC Lions so far this season. Now, the teams they've played, Calgary and uh, Edmonton. Edmonton, didn't run that much against them. But BC is actually giving up six yards a carry so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that is uh, good enough for last in the CFL. Will the Bombers take advantage of that this week? It does seem like they, they do want to run the ball, mm-hmm. and they might run it right at the Lions. Which, I mean, when th- these teams and their coaching staffs know all these stats too. So yeah. uh, it's no secret we're not breaking any news here. I, I think that's been Winnipeg's MO where they are able to set up stuff off the run. And if the run isn't working and they're only getting two or three yards, they're still converting those second downs. Yeah. Which is wild. So it's not that much of a detriment like it is to other teams when they can't get it going. Um, but with the O line Winnipeg has, uh, whether it's Oliveira, I doubt he'll play, or Augustine, like these guys are still able to <clears throat> get a lot of yard, get a lot of yards per carry. I mean, they might not stick with it all game, uh, carry wise, but the averages are there to where you know if it if it's working early, and they're moving the ball down the field and they're able to get up, put points up, and they're probably not going to go away from it. That's the phenomenal thing here. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have put up forty points or more in uh, both of their first two games. Zach Kolaros has actually had almost identical fantasy games. In Mm -hmm. in week one, he had 26.6 points, and then week two, 26.7 points, three touchdown passes in each of his uh, first two games. Three touchdown passes in one quarter in week one. So the Lions defense, I don't know if they've been tested all that much yet this season. Here is the test against the high-flying Blue Bomber offense, Ty. (laughs) 100%. I think, well, I would call Taylor Cornelius a test just because of how much Edmonton had to throw the ball and how much they did. (laughs) That's but true. it was pretty, it was like a multiple choice with only one choice. Yeah. <laughs> Dalton Schoen is listed as questionable, but he was also listed as questionable last week. So I'm not too worried about him. But uh, again, I, I would have picked Dominic Rhymes in this game, mm-hmm. but he's not playing. It's too bad. Either way, I'm looking forward to uh, Thursday night football in Winnipeg. I think another key for the Lions Test that special teams out. Last year they struggled. Returning and limiting returns, Janarian Grant had their number in 2022. We saw the return he pulled off against Saskatchewan last year. Do not, do not punt to Janarian Grant if you can help it at all. (laughs) If If you have the chance to get it inside the 15 and out of bounds, you have to do it. 100%. Hamilton's home opener is against the Montreal Alouettes, and the Ticats here are actual favorites. Two and a half points, the over-under set at 44. I find this, tie a very intriguing game because Bo Levi Mitchell's not playing. Uh, he ended up leaving the Toronto game with an injury. They Which did probably say- benefits Hamilton more than Montreal. <laughs> now, they did say that... Bo's going to dress. He's just not going to play, which I, I find weird. They also mm-hmm. said they don't know how long he's going to be out. My guess is it can't be long if they're going to put equipment on him. So <laughs> I don't think Bo's going to be it out long. shows a lack of depth at quarterback in that organization that they have to dress a injured Bo Levi Mitchell to back up Matthew Schiltz. And I actually think Matthew <clears throat> Schiltz is actually pretty intriguing here. I, I didn't have the guts <laughs> to, to pick him, but we can, 
The games aren't here yet. Yeah, that's true. The week is young. Uh, when he came in last week against Toronto, I realized the situation and, and the point of the game. But he was, what, 13 to 14, 118 mm-hmm. yards at a touchdown? I, if he's going to be able to do half of that or have, you know, a pretty good completion percentage, Schultz is a threat with his legs, too. Mm-hmm. He might be an interesting pick, I think, this week for the Ticats. And I and he playing his old team, I think Schultz will be fired up. I, I think so, too. Um, the way that he came in, yes, it was kind of it was a little bit of garbage time, maybe some smoke and mirrors. But even just the way that he played, there wasn't a lot of stupid decisions. He made the right decision, threw to the right spot, threw the right guy. They were able to run the same play back to back. Yeah, a touchdown and two point convert. Um, this team needs something because starting off zero and two, Bo has not looked good. Yes, you paid him to be your starter, but how long can you trot him out there in a division that is easily winnable at five hundred? Or maybe not winnable at five hundred, but you're in a playoff spot at, at being at playing five hundred football. And you're gonna and you're dropping the first two games. You like you you, you want to go to zero and four and take that chance. Zero and three, zero and five. Like it had to be done. And if if Schultz wins, I I don't know how you go back to Bo. Wow, I think they will go back to Bo. Um, yeah, but okay. So then you go back to Bo and Bo loses again next week. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting proposition, man. If Bo goes to Hamilton, they roll out the red carpet, and he ends up riding the bench for most of the year. We're living in the twilight zone, brother. Oh, what a jam! <laughs> Golden earring, the pride of the Netherlands. I think if my geography is. Hey, correct. if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. <laughs> I wanted to maybe talk about Montreal's defense here because this is almost like being week one. What are we going to get from them? And I only say that, and I don't want to be too disrespectful to Ottawa Red Blacks fans, but that was Ottawa's test, or yeah. that was Montreal's test in week one. And they, You got you to expect them to be a little bit worse yeah. than that. <laughs> the Ottawa defense, or the Ottawa offense, is not at full strength yet with Jeremiah Masoli, and they haven't really come together yet. So uh, the, the Montreal Alouettes... Is this their first test? That being said, can we say the Ticats offense is at full strength? I'm not quite sure. Um, But at this point of the season, the Ticats defense has given up the most offensive touchdowns. They've given up five rushing touchdowns. Just to Chad Kelly. (laughs) Well, the rushing touchdowns, does that make – I actually had my mouse over Cody Fajardo Fajardo too. Yeah. He is a threat. I think through the air, he had a nice pass to Austin Mack for 59 yards last week, but also on the ground. Now, it could get vultured by uh, Dominic Davis coming in and punching mm-hmm. those in on the goal line, but Fajardo has the ability to do that as but well. I, I think you've seen his injury history the last two years. If you yeah. have the chance to get him out of a quarterback dive situation, you were taking him out, you need to preserve him. If that If that is who you're going with, going forward as your starting quarterback for the next couple of years, then he's absolutely not in short yardage. There was a few times I uh, I wanted to get William Stanback in that lineup and to see from him 
what we know he is capable of. He had 12.8 fantasy points against Ottawa, 16 carries, 88 yards. I think Montreal might be giving Hamilton a heavy dose of him. I think so. And, you know, he looked... You look at his numbers, average is 11.9, but he only averages 6.6 against Hamilton. Mm. I mean, you look at what Hamilton's had in that interior of their defense. It's been They've been tough to run against. For a long time. And, you know, it, you don't want your guy or your, your starting running back going in there and getting beat to hell all game. And then in the fourth quarter when you need him, he's not there because, you know, you're on your second and third string guy because he's so beat up. Uh, but... They can use him in other ways. And, and you talk about that front seven, how good they are, and, and stopping the run. They can also get to the quarterback, yeah, which opens up a lot of that swing and screen pass to, to relieve the pressure. Uh, you can see Stanback used that way, kind of like an extension of the run game. Um, and two, But at the same time, if there's pressure, Cody Pajardo can scramble out, so it's kind of a catch-22. You don't know which way uh, they're going to go. It all, all depends on scheme and what they want to do that week. Ottawa got to Fajardo five times in week mm-hmm. one. Are the Ticats going to get to him here in Friday night football? I'm intrigued by Austin Mack of the Alouettes. We don't 16 know. 16 points. Who's going to fill in the shoes of Geno Lewis, who went to and Edmonton? And Jay who Off to <laughs> Saskatchewan. Now, he did have, you're right, 16 points in week one. That's not even a touchdown. That's four catches, 120 yards. I think we'll see. I want to see it again. He's less than $5,000 in fantasy. Mm-hmm. But if Fajardo's looking his way in week one, might why be wouldn't he his, be in week two? Might be looking his way here against Hamilton. I'm I'm very intrigued on him. Hamilton is also worst uh, of opposing yards per play. Over seven yards a play they're giving up so far this mm-hmm. season. And Tunde Adelike is questionable. Man. So another secondary uh, that's a little beat up coming into week three. Like there is a chance that Jardo could put up some numbers like my entire fantasy roster. Yes, I said it. I'm not letting the computer pick for me anymore. <laughs> my entire fantasy roster could change before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> I've been playing with my, well, fantasy roster, I should yeah. say. <laughs> Ugh, family show, Travis. Family show. <laughs> There's some heavy hitters that I think uh, Hamilton wants to get going. Tim White, Duke Williams, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm intrigued by Keandre Smith. And I, I'm kind of looking uh, Terry Godwin's way a little bit. He had four catches last week. Are they going to be able to get him the ball against the Alouettes? This this is a really James intriguing Butler game. James Butler, too. Is Hamilton going to keep running the football? We got to... Mention him. He had double-digit carries in both of uh, the games so far this touchdowns year. Touchdowns in rushing touchdowns in both of those games. Yes. Will the touchdown streak continue for James Butler? He had seven catches last week mm-hmm. as well. And with Matthew Schiltz in there, maybe they get him just as involved, if not a little bit more. Well, And if they are going to get him involved, and it seems like they've kind of not dedicated themselves to it, but it, it's now part of the game plan. I think a lot of that's to do with Bo Levi coming from a system like Calgary, where they always had, they, they have three number ones when it comes to the running back position. They got three guys that could start in this league, it feels like. Uh, Butler is averaging 13.3, and all these numbers are really coming from his time with BC. But 
I mean, put up 13.3 points per game in his career and averaged against Montreal. Montreal's defense, yeah, we don't know exactly what it is. It's going to be better than what it was against Ottawa, but how much better? Both these, like, both these teams seem to be searching for an identity right now. And I, I think if James Butler can ground and pound and, and get Schiltz some some space, you know, and get second and shorts, then I just don't see why you would go away from him. The Ticats have run into some injury problems, not just with Tunde Delique and Bo Levi Mitchell, but Joel Figueroa is out. Mm-hmm. Omar Bayless is out. Uh, Coulter Wood Manzi is out. So there's a couple key injuries on the offensive line. They have activated a veteran offensive lineman, Chris Van Zyl. Uh, he did have Chris uh, Van Turns, though. <laughs> a limited practice day on Wednesday, but we know how important that offensive line is. And I just know that Friday night, we're going to learn a lot about these two teams. I think Montreal is pretty comfortable being in the underdog role. And a lot of people have written them off this year. Hamilton has all the pressure on them. It's their home opener. It's another More pressure than a, than a sub 12,000 feet down. Oh boy. Uh, another uh, great cup year <laughs> in Hamilton. They're feeling yeah. it, I think. I think Steinauer is feeling it. I think everybody that, is. That's the thing. Like, like I mentioned, how how far do you want to drop back in this race for a playoff spot in the East when it's super gettable? You are hosting the Grey Cup. You have been in the Grey Cup two, the last two before the yeah. previous one, before this last one. one. You lost at home. Like... This is you. This is your redemption story, and, and you can't, you can't come like, you can't come into the season starting zero and three. You just can't. That is a really big hole to dig out of Toronto. If they, if they look, if they are what they look like, yeah. Like, good luck. Good luck to anyone. Because, but if, but if that's what Hamilton is, like, then they don't have a shot beating Toronto. And I know this is a completely different. Division, but the way Saskatchewan looked last week, <laughs> it, it looks like it could just be two East teams in the playoffs again. So, two West. Oh, 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 yeah. It's no yeah, East yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Sorry. another, uh, the crossover, yeah, crossover. that's in play. Yeah. Uh, the, the Ticats need to get on the board and into the win column here right away. Calgary Stampeders, three and a half point favorites over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the over under at 45 and a half. We talk about intriguing games. I'm this is your, I think this, this is your game too. of the week. Man, well, I thought that too, but there's BC Winnipeg. So I. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> it's like a that fun was only week. a game. That was only two games ago, and I already forgot about it. So here's a stat through two games, the Calgary Stampeders do not have a sack. The if they're not able to get to Trevor Harris, he's putting up 400 yards again. This this game could fall out of Calgary's hands, mm-hmm. and and they're at home. Yes, and like if that goes, if that happens again, like we go three straight weeks without a sack, those fans are going to let them know. Oh yeah, and it'll be great television. <laughs> 
From what I'm seeing, uh, they're expecting over 25,000 in Calgary, so a good crowd, a lot better than uh, the home opener there. I know those uh, Cowtown fans get pretty fired up when the green and white want to come and invade the stadium. And I think sometimes they show up to boo the riders more than to cheer the stamps, but that's okay. That sounds about right. <laughs> and there's not much to cheer for in Calgary lately, so... Uh, just boo the other team. For several years, they uh, they stopped doing the Ryder Stamps games on like a Saturday evening. Because it it's too much. But here we are, Saturday yeah. evening. You idiot. <laughs> Stimpy, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, like, I am really upset I'm going to be at Waska Sioux. <laughs> but like, this is, I, I'm going to have a PVR, obviously. I just, I just want something to happen. Yeah. Like some fireworks. I've been to a few of those games on a Friday or a Saturday night where you can see, because it's a sea of red and green, and yeah. then the police are wearing these bright yellow vests. <laughs> so they're it's like a soccer game. Like at, when, when does Calgary or Winnipeg, those are really the only two, Maybe Edmonton, but even then, like when is, when is it going to turn into home area and away area? And it's not just going to be a free-for-all for tickets. <laughs> because about 10, 15 years ago, it was the height of drunkness in the stand. Well, and also streakers. There was the streaker era. Yeah. I like how <laughs> we don't even discuss football <laughs> on the CFL era. I'm just, the fact like that there they're... Was the, our balls are bigger era. Yeah, the streaker era, the drunkest fans on the planet era. I remember one day, this is probably 12 years ago, the the Calgary baseball team, I can't even remember if it was the Cannons, maybe it was. Like Like the Summer College League or the Canadian Professional League? Canadian Professional League. Oh, like back when if the catcher was on base with two outs, he got a pinch runner. <laughs> so the ballpark is right by the Stampeder uh, oh, McMahon Stadium. So they had a rider day in the park. So we go to the ball game, and I ended up in the paper. If I, I don't know if I had my phone. I could show you the picture on the broadcast. But I'm wearing a Pilsner cowboy hat. In the ballpark, and I'm just blowing the Vuvuzela. <laughs> like Stan Peter fans were so mad. Jim Hobson threw out the first pitch. Gainers running the bases. This is in Calgary. <laughs> After the game, they kind of turned the ballpark into a party and shipped in flats of Pilsner. <laughs> Did they put the game on the big screen? No, we. Oh. we well, we get ripped and then go to the game. <laughs> also, they would have the game like early afternoon and the kickoff yes. is at 8 o'clock. So you're all just piled. Oh, That's and my I, dream. That's my, my dream. Sis, my sister was my DD. Oh, that, yeah, because she's a great driver. <laughs> that night, I remember playing road hockey in the McMahon Stadium parking lot after the game until about 1 a.m. <laughs> like, she was super happy, I bet. Oh, she was just... Not impressed, but she has never been impressed with us. So <laughs> let's that, be real. That's what can happen uh, a Saturday night at McMahon Stadium, mm-hmm. and you're not even in Sudbury. <laughs> Great Stomp and Tom reference. Doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> I I was intrigued by Jake Mayer. 
in this one as well because of what Zach Kalaros did to the Rough Rider defense and their inability to shut down some of those bomber receivers. There's some talent in the Stampeder receiving court. Reggie Bagleton, I'm intrigued by Trey Odom's Dukes. You will see that because he is. Who is that? <laughs> That's a great discussion because <laughs> last week on the show, I was talking You could about- have told me. <laughs> I was talking about some re- receivers that I think maybe could be poised for a breakout. Uh, Odom's Dukes being one of them. He was with the Stamps last year. Coxey in Toronto being one of them. He was with the Argos last year. And the face you briefly made, you're like, what are you talking about? A rookie having a, you know. Okay. <laughs> no, he just changed his name. And because it's CFL, nobody tells us. <laughs> and we because there's no stats. Anywhere to be found. Yeah, yeah. I just happened. I got my laptop back. I'm going through it. I'm like, Dukes, Duke. Huh. And I go and I look, and he's got stats. And I read up, oh, those are the same stats as this. And then, I'm, oh, well, yeah, those last four letters of his first name were T-R-E-S. So he just changed it to Trey. I'm like, yeah. And I don't know where the Odoms come from. <laughs> now, through two weeks, he's got. Almost 31 fantasy points, 30.9. He had a touchdown in week one, seven catches against BC, three catches, 54 yards in the two-point conversion against Ottawa last week. Saskatchewan had trouble uh, covering the Winnipeg receivers. and well, there's 800 of them. Gave up some big plays. I think they were able to find some soft spots in the uh, in the zones there. Calgary might be able to do that too. And remember last year... Malik Henry lit up two teams. It was Edmonton and it was Saskatchewan. Yeah. Could he be poised for a big game? Well, and you look at Bagleton, Malik Henry, Tradums Dukes, Luther Hakunavanu. Like, Nailed it. There's four guys that you could argue, if you can double cover, you probably should take a crack at it. Yep. You're yep. not going to double cover four guys. It's just it, it's not something you're going to do. So you have to pick your poison. Um, you know, Malik Henry, yeah, killed the Riders last year. So that that's that has to be a point of emphasis. But then you have Reggie Bagleton. That also has to be a point of emphasis. Like that's going to leave guys like Tradem's Dukes and Luther chances. I think to to not necessarily not just in this game, but for the season because those other two are going to be able to draw so much attention. I'm. Uh... I, I want to see Nick Marshall is on one of them. Just book him for a touchdown. <laughs> no, we we've been talking about running back usage. Dedrick Mills is that mm. guy against Ottawa. Nineteen carries, one hundred and two yards, and a touchdown. Saskatchewan's rush defense is actually pretty good, but any defense I think can be broken down if you run at them over and over again, especially with a guy like Dedrick Mills, who runs extremely angry. 11.5 points per game in his career, 16.1 against the Riders. Peyton Logan averaging 10 in his career. Like, There's two guys right there that can put up numbers, put up yards, and beat the hell out of your defense. Uh, you know, Kadeem Carey, I'm assuming, on the sixth game, not playing. So it's going to be one of those two guys, and they, they might not be... Depending on how it goes, you might not see one guy get you know twenty carries, another guy kind of spell them out. They might go back and forth because that interior interior line and interior defense of the Riders is so physical. 
that, you know, guys you got a good chance of getting beat up going in there. Now, as we're recording this, Reggie Bagleton has not practiced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Malik Henry didn't the practice. Last two days. Yeah. Yes, and Malik Henry didn't practice Tuesday. He was back on the field on Wednesday. If Bagleton's not in there, I think that adds value to Odom's Dukes, and it adds mm-hmm. value to Malik Henry. But the Riders are very banged up. And, you know, I talked about Diedrich Mills running at teams and the Riders having a decent run defense, but a big part of that is Anthony Lanier uh, being back in the middle of that defensive line alongside Micah Johnson. Mm -hmm. But Lanier hasn't practiced this week with a foot injury. Demarcus Christmas hasn't practiced this week. And then all the injuries on the back end of the Rough Rider defense Rodney Clemens, Roland Milligan, Jaden Dalkey. They're just Dalkey and Milligan have been lights out to start they're, the year. They're limping into Calgary, man. Yeah. And if, if they're not ready to go and they can't play, that's a huge loss. And if they can play, but they're not 100%, like, I, I don't know how much that's going to affect. I mean, Dalkey has a safety kind of, he's your last line where he's not really going to be covering too much. He can play a little bit of zone, but a guy like Roland Milligan, like if he's not hundred percent, I don't know if he can get him out there. That, that is a big concern for Saskatchewan going to Calgary. Even some of the special teams players, uh, Canadians, depth guys, mm-hmm. uh, they've been injured and we've seen what happens when you get the backup special teams guys in Janarian Grant breaks 15 tackles and takes into the house. So. There's only 12 guys. <laughs> you got to watch for Peyton Logan. He's got to, I think, hold on to the ball. Sometimes it's an yeah. adventure with the, the fumbles a little bit. Uh, but if the if the rider offensive line is able to protect Trevor Harris, and we know he's able to get away the ball quickly, so he might be and efficiently. He might almost be in addition to the offensive line indirectly, right? It's like Marty Berdur being the third defenseman. Yeah. Especially on the penalty kill. They like. had to add a rule <laughs> yeah, to stop it. So, but yeah, he gets the ball out quick. He's not always, like, it always felt like Cody Fajardo was looking for that deep threat, that deep, because he had Shaq Evans. Um, Trevor Harris looking for the open guy. Like, and it's not, yeah. it's not that. Like, every play is designed to have somebody as your number one guy. But he, he reads through his progression so fast and he delivers the ball so accurately that those windows are there when it doesn't look like they are. And like, you know, over 70% and he put up 400 yards. Like, come on. And uh, and as an O-line, as an O-line, you love that. You're not getting beat up for five, six seconds and all of a sudden Fajardo's over there. Yeah. You You know where he's going to be, Harris. Yeah. Yeah. For for 98% of the snaps. Now I'm, I'm intrigued by uh, a lot of that receiving core. In Saskatchewan, uh, Sean Bain making his return to Calgary, hit over 100 yards last week against Winnipeg. But we're coming off a hat trick for Samuel Emelis, and we're coming off a nice game for Tevin Jones, getting onto the roster with uh, Darrell Walker, hitting the sixth game. Who is going to be Trevor Harris's favorite target in Calgary? Uh, because is Jake Winnicky just Jake Winnicky the easy answer because of past history? You know what? And familiarity. I, we haven't seen the best but from Touchdown Jake. Even last year. Like, yeah. He wasn't Touchdown Jake. Right. Did he have one? 
Right. So, uh, you know, Sean Bain, kind of a coming out party last week. Same with, with MLS. I think teams are still going to focus a little bit on Jake Winicky just because of past performances and, and they know what he can do. But like you said, that's going to open up the door for guys like Tevin Jones and Sean Bain. And I think they're going to have really good opportunities. We can put up some numbers. Uh, Winicky, if you are looking at it, 10.4 in his career, 12.9 against Calgary, not huge numbers, but I mean, he's not, you know, going out there and getting 30 yards and that's it. Uh, he's putting up, He's putting up points. Tevin at 9.7 and Sean Bain 8.3. They haven't played Calgary yet. So you have to see what they're going to do against the likes of Trey Roberson and guys like that. But uh, there is a potential there, depending on matchups. You can get away from some guys and, and put up some big numbers. There's a danger that Frankie Hickson misses the game for the Riders. So it should be the Jamal Morrow show. Uh, I, I think the Riders will tell you they did not give Jamal Morrow the ball enough Against Winnipeg, he only had six carries for 37 yards. He did have a catch for 17 yards. And it's not like they got down. Or, like, they weren't no. down big. Like, they were up 7-3 at one point. Right. I think kind of abandoned it. Especially on the road, probably get your running game rolling against the Stamps. Easier said than done with the likes yeah. of uh, Micah Awe and Cameron Judge in that linebacking core. Mike Rose. Yeah. Like... But the thing is, if you can get that ground game established and get it going, it's going to quiet the crowd. You can demoralize an yep. offense and demor- or demoralize a defense and demoralize the crowd and get them out of it a little bit if you're able to get five, six yards of carry. Uh, that being said, you have to commit to it. You can't go away from it because it works for a little bit and then two plays in a row it doesn't. You have to commit to it and keep going back. Whether or not the coaching staff and the offense want to do that is a thing to be seen. But, I mean, it is Jamal Morrow. They're there is a chance where he could put up two touchdowns and a hundred yards. Uh, I know Calgary's run defense is tough, but I mean, Jamal Morrow with just volume. If you can get him the carries, he's, he's going to produce. The Toronto At least that's Ar- how it feels. I mean, yeah, the Toronto Argonauts are six and a half point favorites going into Edmonton with the over under set at 44 and a half. But Toronto might just hit the over. <laughs> now, Edmonton's performance against BC last week, the the leash on Taylor Cornelius is shrinking. If he struggles in the first half, which is a distinct possibility. I was going to say don't say distinct possibility because I think it's a lock. <laughs> Do we see a Trey Ford, a Kai Loxley come out for the second half? It might happen, I think. I don't I think it might be before that. Like, you look at what Toronto's offense did last week, excuse me, against Hamilton. Edmonton is going to be in tough against this offense, and their defense isn't exactly healthy either right. on Edmonton's side. Um, Cornelius is going to be leaned upon to keep throwing the ball, and I just he hasn't proved enough that it's a viable option right now. Right. And I, I just think that Toronto's defense is going to make him look terrible again. And people are going to get more free tickets. Now, yeah, you're right. 18 home losses in a row for the Edmonton Elks. It almost seems like every... Enoch said they are going to break it. but just This, not this season? Week. Just not this week. It, it just feels like every game at home is now like a desperate, you know, 
2 a.m. at the bar. Yeah. yeah. I need this. Take it any way yeah. that you can get it. <laughs> and it just feels like this might not be the week. What's a key to win for the Edmonton Elks? I say you have to get Geno Lewis double-digit targets. I against Saskatchewan in week one, there it's were not only, it's not just double digit targets. They've got to be good targets because I was just going to say, because against Saskatchewan in week one, a lot of those were getting forced in there on double teams. And like, if, if it's a one-on-one deep ball, you're throwing to Gino every chance you um, get. Yeah, you have to. I, their, their key to, to success is, is quarterback play. Cause it hasn't been good. Yeah. It hasn't, uh, whether it's, Cornelius or a backup not getting into the end zone three plays in a row. It just they haven't had the production and the efficiency and the consistency they need from that position. And until that changes or gets better, it's they're not winning a football game. The the protection hasn't been good for Cornelius either. Uh he only had th- Gino Lewis only had three targets in week two against BC, one catch for nine yards. Yeah, that's not good enough. No, not for your highest paid receiver in the CFL. You must get him the ball, and they also need the to opportunities protect also the have ball. to be there. And you know, yeah, it's when you have Taylor Cornelius back there, you you don't think that teams are going to be like, okay, we're just going to shut down Geno Lewis and we'll go from there. Right. That's literally the game plan playing Edmonton right now. You shut down Geno, and if they are going to run, that's that's your defensive line and your middle linebackers' responsibility. They're going to run Kevin Brown. I'm a fan of Kevin Brown, but uh, two games this season, two fumbles this season. That cannot happen here against Toronto. We saw what they did against Hamilton. They took advantage of turnovers. And if Edmonton's going to give them the ball, it seems like Toronto's just going to go and take advantage of that. And they've got options. It it seems like maybe they're going to have... Uh, Andrew Harris, and it feels kind of weird to talk about because of all of those seasons of getting the ball 20 times a game with Winnipeg. It takes its toll, man. It, it totally does. But A.J. Olette, he had 13 carries, 85 yards, and a catch against Hamilton. Get him and then they bring in, And then they bring in, AJ, or then they bring in uh, Andrew to finish off a touchdown. Drive. Exactly. So if you've got those options... <laughs> <laughs> and you have DeVaris Daniels and you have Curly Gittins Jr., although he was limited in practice this week. Both those guys in almost double digits, 12.2 and 9.9. DeMonte Coxie had a hell of a game last week. Like, there's just so many options on the offensive side. Like, the defense can be under so much pressure. I, that might be the saving grace for Edmonton that their offense might not be on the field much. Because it'd be a lot of two and outs. <laughs> now, what we saw from Edmonton against BC was the old three-man pressure and the nine guys in coverage. We'll, we'll see what Toronto does. If they run at them, and that might be the way to succeed there. Now, if they don't, Chad Kelly might struggle finding open receivers with that coverage. Yeah, uh, with him not being, like, this, this is what, his third start now. Yeah, it might that, that is definitely a viable option for your defense. On the other hand, we've seen what he did in the Grey Cup, and he's mobile. So, yep, 
It's, exactly. Are you, are you going to do that and maybe have a spy? That's an option. Are, are you, do you send four maybe and try to collapse the pocket a little quicker and drop less guys? Like it's, I, I don't hate the three and nine. Um, at the same time though, it's, it's one of those things that can really bite you when you got a guy like Chad Kelly. Here's a prop bet. Chad Kelly rushing touchdowns one and a half. Um, actually. Is that on blitz picks? It might be. Oh. (laughs) Does he rush more touchdowns than passing touchdowns? I think yes. Oh, I think he rushes more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, they'll, they'll get, I think there'll be a lot of them getting down to the goal line or getting deep into, into uh, Edmonton territory and giving it to AJ and Andrew. And if they don't get in and it's a first and goal from the one, then I think it's a no brainer. And if you talk to fans in Edmonton, they're very familiar with Andrew Harris having a lot of success throughout his career against the Edmonton Elks. With a little bit of help. <laughs> anything I was going to do his it, friends. there's a nice uh, Joe Cocker, Joe Cocker reference right <laughs> uh, Edmonton gotta get up pretty early to get those by me <laughs> does have some uh, injury issues with some veterans here uh, Ed Ganey uh, hasn't practiced Manny Arsenault hasn't practiced otherwise I mean they are kind of healthy but here's the thing. The Argos are going to be adding Jamal Peters, 2022's interception leader returning from the NFL. It looks like he's been practicing this week. Th- that's the matchup here. Can the Elks offense succeed against the Argo defense? And I don't even know that the Elks need to put up 30 points. They just need to stay on like sustain some drives because yeah. last week they actually had some good field position the defense was nothing with it able to put them into positions to succeed against the lions and nothing happened the argos weird, defense, weird. chris jones team their defense is way ahead of the offense early in the tenure and the argos defense is a top three defense in the canadian football league they've played one game but I don't think they've changed all that much from last year. No, no, I don't think. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. Um, and, so Arsenal out, like that just means you like that you were keying in on Gino so hard. It's that. just no, and I know Gino's a veteran, but the, the leadership I think that Manny brings, the, yes. the effort level that he puts on to stay onto the field, the injuries he's returned from, the heart that the Manny show shows, that that is an omission a little bit from uh, from that Elks offense. Yeah, and and it also gives one less weapon. Yeah, like the offensive weapon that he is, he's not what he was. And it was days in BC, but still, it's still a threat. And that Toronto defense now is one less thing to worry about. But that being said, Gino twelve point nine uh, in his career, eighteen point nine against Toronto, he's lit up the Argos. Kyron Moore, 11.7 and 13.7 against the Argos. Dylan Mitchell, 11.5 in his career, 5.9. A little bit of a down down spiral there. And Stephen Dunbar Jr., 11.4 in his career and 8.9. So they have the guys that can put up put up numbers. It's just Cornelius has to get them the ball. A couple guys familiar with that Toronto defense. Dunbar, a tie cat, played them a lot last year. Yeah. And uh, Gino and Alouette played them a lot as well. Now, 
I guess that's another guy we should talk about. Dylan Mitchell, Ty, because I had high hopes for him coming into this year, especially his performance last year uh, as a rookie. Any guesses on his receiving yards through two games, Ty? 69. <laughs> minus four. Five. My, yeah, because he had one game with minus five. So, yeah, like, it's so bad. He has. And there's no yards after catch on that. Three like the ball ca- was thrown five yards behind the line of scrimmage. He's three catches, negative four yards through two yeah. games. Yeah. Is that on him or is that on Cornelius? <laughs> or maybe the guys, maybe the other receivers blocking for him on screen passes. So all the talent in the world on the Elks offense, but if you can't get these guys the ball. There's one spot that doesn't have that hasn't proven itself yet and I don't know everybody like talking to a couple people last year with Cornelius it might have been yeah it was last year was his first year they're like oh like they saw some stuff that they really liked I'm like I just I don't see what you guys are seeing I see He's... a guy who's who isn't gonna cut it right now and if, if you want to get out of the basement it's not how you do it he's got a big arm yeah and but how do you rein it in? That kind of reminds me of like a Michael Bishop. The guy could throw it 80 yards. Candy Maldonado throwing from right field and never hitting the cutoff man or the catcher, <laughs> hitting the backstop. Like, where's it going to go? I don't know, but he could throw it Come far. On. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be a fascinating game at Commonwealth Stadium. I think it's 90s night in, uh, in Edmonton. Starter jackets galore. Yes. What else about the nineties? I my yes, whole man. life kind of revolves around wrestling and nineties wrestling Attitude was, era. Yeah. was just awesome. So uh Razor and Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels at uh was that SummerSlam? Uh WrestleMania ten, the ladder match. The ladder match, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the good stuff happened in the nineties. Jerry I guess the Oilers, did, yeah, the Oilers did win a Stanley <laughs> Cup in the 90s, technically. The Jays won two World Series. The Expos, the Expos got robbed of one, which is great. <laughs> you hate Hamilton. them because they're a National League or what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> You made me say it. I wasn't going to say it, but you made me say it. Here's my fantasy lineup for this. Uh, oh, you're going to have to elk that out. Yeah, I'm elking it. Uh, here's the fantasy lineup for me for this week. Uh, I'm loading up on Bombers, actually. I, I believe in the Lions' defense. I just think the firepower of the Bombers, they're going to be able to score touchdowns either way. Uh, Zach Kolaris is my quarterback, Johnny Augustine, my running back, Diedrich Mills, my other running back, Nick Dembski at receiver. Uh, he's also my captain. Alexander Hollins is my other receiver. So I'm really relying on some lot of points out of Winnipeg and BC. On, uh, on a Thursday night game. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's it's a slightly shorter week for BC, but uh, but Winnipeg's, they, they, they've had six days, so I, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, Trey Odom's Dukes is my flex, and I have the Ticats defense, only because they're the cheapest option, and I expect them to 
hey, if they can get five sacks on Cody Fajardo like Ottawa did, I think that'll be okay yeah. numbers there. That's 300 bucks left over, Ty. Um, so I got tired of getting stuck with Tyree Adams at the quarterback position <laughs> with the auto picks that that the computer gives you. So I actually filled out a lineup this week. Nice. Out of uh, just sheer pissed offedness. Uh, <laughs> Chad Kelly, also my captain. Uh, AJ Olette, William Stanback, Dalton Schoen, Aiden Everhart. I just think there's got like uh, Lucky White. I can't get all the targets, and he yep. dropped he dropped a touchdown last week. Like he is involved in the offense. They're high like, on him in BC. They're, they're high on him. Uh, Mario Alford at the flex, and the Toronto Argos defense. I wanted to get them in. I wanted I got, to get. Them I got six hundred dollars left over. All right, so pick them here. I'm going Winnipeg, Hamilton, Calgary, Toronto. Winnipeg, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Toronto. That that Saturday night game, oh boy. I got a ticket. How many undefeated teams are there going to be at the end of the week? I saw that question. I say one. I said two. So Montreal has to win. Oh, no, Toronto. Toronto. I'm going to change my pick to two then. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can subscribe and leave a comment on YouTube as well. Hey, maybe let us know who you think are going to win the games in week three up on our YouTube channel. And, of course, you can support us on Patreon. we got to give a shout-out to Philip. Uh, Sheldon Jones, Michael Walker, Chris Harold. I'm surprised Sheldon knows how to use Patreon. He does. And then we've got Lawrence. And we didn't even get a phone call to ask for help. <laughs> Cole, Nick, Dwayne, Kirsten, all members of our great Patreon community. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Because let's face it, with no sponsors, we actually pay to do the show. <laughs> well, you pay. <laughs> Hosting just, costs, all I sorts of stuff. I just tell you, I just ask new phone who did. And uh, our uh, computers are failing, so hopefully our we pet can... heads are falling off. <laughs> Things are going down. You're, you're our only hope, patrons. Uh, thank you so much. Another Star Wars reference. Look at that. It's the same one you made last week. The exact same one. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy week three in the CFL. We will talk to you next week to talk about what's guaranteed to be some craziness going on. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 